Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Okay, thank you very much and uh, welcome <clears throat> welcome to to this session that we are where we are going to discuss collaboration. So my name is Heidi Himmanen. I work for the Finnish Transport and Communications Agency, Traficom. And uh, I'm also uh, representing Finland in the 5G Experts Group under the Nordic Council of Ministers who have facilitated this, this session. So we are going to discuss 5G knowledge silos and how important it is that various stakeholders, including regulatory bodies, academia and mobile operators work together and the value of collaboration. Uh, I just want to, uh, in, the, in the beginning now, um, mention the 5G Nordic Baltic Monitoring Tool project that has been launched yesterday and presented here this morning. That's a part of the activities we have done to try to foster the collaboration. But also, um, Nordregio has uh, hosted uh, 5G events uh, and matchmaking events uh, on the topics of 5G for smart societies, discussing the health sector, 5G in transport and mobility, 5G in industry, and 5G in media and broadcast. But let's go to the panel discussion. Welcome to all of the panelists, and welcome once again to the audience. And uh, I would now ask you to, to introduce yourselves in a few words before we start the discussion. So first we have Thorgeir Sigurdarsson. Yes, uh, I'm head of the broadband data analytics at the Electronic Communication Office of Iceland, uh, the Icelandic telecom regulator. Uh, so I do a lot of work in analytics and working with data from the different operators in Iceland, but I'm also uh, the regulator's uh, representative in a newly started uh, collaboration project where we encourage and authorize the uh, operators in Iceland to collaborate on deployment of uh, high-speed mobile broadband with the goal to uh, have all main roads in Iceland totally covered by high-speed mobile broadband with uh, uninterrupted service everywhere uh, as far as technically possible. Uh, the motivation obviously being that we are a very sparsely populated country. We are about 400,000 people living in a country with uh, that's 100,000 square kilometers, so it's around four, four persons per square kilometer. And uh, so there's always been an issue with uh, uh, getting coverage everywhere in such a sparsely populated country. And, and we've mostly done like direct state aid in the past, but now we are focusing more on, on uh, the operators collaborating uh, and sharing cost in deployment to, and to get solve this issue with uh, coverage in mm. rural areas. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Very interesting. And we will get back to this, this uh, project. And then we have Bård Reyan, please. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Bordrian. I work for the Norwegian Communications uh, Authority, NCOM, and uh, <coughs> my responsibilities there include uh, the regulation of uh, the non-public uh, 
local 5G networks, uh, and uh, as well as many other things. I also represent uh, NCOM in uh, the SEPT ECC group, as well as in the Radio Spectrum Committee uh, in the European Commission. Anyway, the story that uh, I was hoping that we could uh, uh, share some experience from uh, today uh, is uh, our uh, uh, 5G uh, spectrum uh, situation in Norway. So when we, uh, a couple of years ago, <coughs> auctioned out the 3.6 gigahertz band um, for 5G, uh, we received complaints from the industrial sector that um, uh, they didn't uh, get any of the spectrum. After all, 5G has all long been uh, marketed as like the, you know, the mobile solution for uh, uh, industrial applications. So why didn't they get any? So our uh, response to this was to uh, dedicate a separate frequency band, uh, namely the 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz band. Uh, and so we started working on the regula regulatory regime for that. And um, we actually launched this at the beginning of 2023 in January. So now it's possible to get uh, 5G licenses for um, local and non-public 5G networks, which we thought would be, you know, we thought we'd be run down by industry, but that hasn't happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, uh, through a political initiative, uh, we have. Uh, launched sort of a, a platform for uh, discussions uh, with industry, telecoms industry, uh, called the uh, 5G um, Industry Forum, where we are trying to get the different players from the different sectors to share experiences. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to share some experiences from that through this discussion. That would be interesting. And uh, we have the European uh Activity is also ongoing mm. to harmonize this band in Europe for, yes. for local networks, 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz. So it's very relevant for all of us. Thank you very much. And then we go to Mikael Nilsson, please. Thank you, Heidi. My name is Mikael Nilsson, and I work as a product manager at a very suitable center for the topic today, Center for Distance Spanning Technology. And the topic today is overcoming 5G challenges. What could be better? Uh, this is located at the Luleå University of Technology up north in Sweden, close to the Arctic Circle, not so far from the Finnish border. And as I learned in the previous session here in this the same room, actually two keywords was mentioned. It was about rural. Somebody said that 40% of the landmass in Europe is populated by uh, people uh, with less than 20 people per square kilometer. In my area, it's three persons per square kilometer. So you can imagine that overcoming distances is a driving scenario for several years. And uh, what also was mentioned was this GSM story, the really true European success story when it all came together and set the standard before everybody else. But anyway, in 1989, I remember Taylor Research in Luleå actually did the first GSM phone call in a lab scale. The Finns were, of course, first with a commercial one, but that's another story. Um, the driving scenario for 30 years has been overcoming distance for different branches and in industries, of course. And to give you some examples, and I will expand on that later on, I guess, and hope. Uh, Ten years ago, the boom was data centers in the north, using the green energy and so on. Nowadays, it's the green transition the green steel, 
But uh, it's not only the green transition. I think the better word is twin transition, because it will not be green transition without digital transition hand in hand. And there is a lot of uh, new research driving out of this when you go big scale, producing green steel and so on and so on. So we try to work very applied, close to industry and companies, big and small ones. That's why they like us, I guess, uh, over the years, and, and try to make um, improvement and, and give results very fast, close to the industry. Mm. Thank, Thank you. you. That's very interesting. So you're, you're actually the facilitator of the collaboration. Mm. Very important. And uh, next we hear from Oliver Leck. Yes. Hello. Tell your perspectives on collaboration and on the topic. That yes, I'm uh, Oliver from Estonia, uh, working in Telia, uh, one of the leading operators in, in this region, in Nordic and Politics. Um, and my, my, my and my team responsibility is actually to roll out and, and plan and, and optimize those networks, those 5G networks that we're talking here about, uh, to make the customer experience the best in there. So actually those, those nodes, like the, the one in the middle of there here. And, and, and there's been several of you have now already mentioned that uh, the, about the sparse population in this region, in, in the Nordics and also in the Baltics. And I will add one extra dimension to this. Uh, yes, it's sparsely populated, but when looking at the graphs from the OECD, uh, this is the region where, where most data per uh, mobile subscription has been used. It's a sparsely populated and a lot of data. We can be proud of, the, of this, uh, but also it's a, it's a challenge. Our southern neighbors uh, just surpassed uh, long-time leaders Finland in this, but, but basically all the countries, uh, Lithuania, Iceland, Estonia, Denmark and Sweden are, are, are following here. And what I want to talk about is the, is the mm, collaboration, cooperation with you within Telia. Uh, this sparsely populated, uh, it's a lot of data and it just uh, default settings for the networks is not good enough. So within Telia, we share a lot how we build the networks, how we optimize the networks, how we, uh, what sorts of features do we need. Uh, we learn from each other and then roll it out for the other countries too, that we have some uh, good experience all over in Telia networks in, in the region. And the, we'll talk about the legislative part uh, later on. Uh, it's super important, as I believe. And, and then maybe mentioning or, or what is really important, I mean, is to talking to people. Events like this is, is super, super important, but, but maybe not even more important, but, uh, but the same as important is to talk to your clients as a mobile operator. Uh, we can't invent what they need. Uh, we don't know about details about medicine or, 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 or factories. Or, uh, we don't know those things. We need to talk about them. And they don't, need a, they don't know the, the details about communication engineering. They don't know what we can offer to them. So it's learning from each other. So this kind of angle is, is, is super important too, yeah. Yes, thank you. And you have also a geographically quite wide perspective from the Nordic Baltic region. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And then we go to Elina Lidere, please. Yes, thank you. Hello. I'm uh, Innovation Ecosystem Lead uh, for a Leading Mobile Operator here in Latvia, LMT. And uh, as an operator, we work not only on, uh, on telco infrastructure and services, but also uh, we have a team quite huge uh, and work as an IT company as well. Uh, we develop new IT services uh, and solutions also for export um, and here 
here uh, for industry and public sector. And uh, regarding um, the cooperation in Nordic and Baltics, we are very much involved in uh, a lot of uh, EU R&D projects and, uh, and established a lot of uh, test sites here in Latvia to collaborate with a uh, local ecosystem, also the international one. We even have Estonian network in one of our test sites, uh, in, uh, that is a mobility uh, test site in, uh, in uh, race trace uh, here in Riga, where we can test uh, cross-border um, solutions, um, and we, we are also building the digital twin of that one uh, race race uh, to really uh, look for uh, new autonomous car solutions and traffic management uh, in augmented CCAM uh, project. Uh, um, and also, there is uh, the same place uh, where the Estonian network, as well as our network, is there. And we work not only on mobility, and we, we do also drone projects. Um, we are looking also on smart city solutions, and uh, and and also a lot of uh, defense projects as well, as we have uh, our uh, neighbor Russia, and we are the NATO and uh, an EU border uh, for uh, with Russia. So we are very much involved, also uh, looking for the 5G capabilities for resilience. And uh, for next week, for example, we will have also. Uh, 5G experiment um, uh, held by NATO, as we have also a 5G defense test site in military base here in Latvia with uh, Nokia and Ericsson uh, uh, standalone 5G networks there, and yeah, multiple scenarios and demonstrations uh, will be tested uh, for future um, pos uh, possibilities to use uh, to strengthen also defense with um, 5G. Okay, <clears throat> thank you, Elena, and, and very, very lot going on in different verticals. So, so that's very, very impressive. Uh, so now we have the we have the regulators here, we have the research, uh, and we have the operators represented in this this panel. Uh, and let's discuss a little bit about the roles of the different players in the collaboration. And also, please state if you see some obstacles that we have to to come over. Uh, let's start with the re regulatory agencies. What is the role of the reg regulatory agencies in mitigating knowledge gaps and fostering competence building? So how do you think that the regulatory agencies can act as a facilitators for 5G development? So Thorger, maybe we start with you? Yeah, well, we, we, we do have a legal obligation to uh, promote like collaboration and, and between these parties and, and, and in, in the fields that we uh, are connected to, but uh, but it's also a bit of a challenge also because we are also uh, 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 regulate the competition in the market and these are obviously competitors, so so it's a it's a bit of a treacherous road to like uh, where, where you're going over the line, you know, in in terms of of. Uh, uh, disrupting market equilibrium and and it comes comes down on the on the consumers but uh, but we we have mostly focused this uh, on this project I talked about earlier in in like like I said rural areas where where there's market failure and not competition so uh, but uh, 
and uh, so that's where we've mo mostly focused on uh, uh, in terms of that. But uh, uh, in general terms, it, it's it's uh, uh, yeah. It, we we but we do try to like connect different parties from you know innovators and telecom operators to. Uh, get them talking to like foster this co collaboration and innovative efforts uh, in general. But as a small regulator, it's it can be difficult to like devote a lot of resources to it. So so it's mostly something that comes to, when someone comes to us, we try to guide and lead them uh, mm -hmm. forward. Yes. Yeah, so guidance and leadings and just to understand the many roles of the operator. Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And then board, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, my take on it is that as a, a regulator, you know, there are several things we can we can do in addition to uh, what my colleague here mentioned. Uh, I think it's important that, uh, uh, for instance, like in Norway, where we have dedicated a special ba uh, part of the spectrum for industry, um, it's important that we actually provide spectrum to you know to the companies that that need it uh, at a, a price that's not prohibitive uh, you know uh, to use uh, uh, also i think it's um, uh, important to um, to encourage or uh, ensure a healthy competition among the public uh, mobile uh, operators because a lot of uh, uh, Industrial applications uh, is probably not going to be solved by a, you know a private local 5G network, but it will probably be solved by, um, like you mentioned, uh, the actual the public networks, you know, through different mechanisms like network slicing and whatever. Uh, so I think you know that's another thing we can uh, we can um, that's also an obligation for us to you know ensure a healthy competition. And uh, I, uh, another thing is uh, the international work that you mentioned, Heidi, uh, in harmonization, uh, I think is also important uh, because um, harmonization will enable uh, or will provide more equipment on the market, better competition, more innovation to, to bring up the use, right? And uh, finally, uh, what we've done, as I uh, briefly mentioned uh, earlier, uh, is to have um, uh, a common meeting place uh, between the different uh, players like uh, uh, telecoms industry vendors uh, in, uh, industry sector and regulators uh, because we need to sort of uh, raise the mutual understanding of the needs and requirements uh, and the opportunities and, and possibilities from both sides yeah. right yeah so I, I think that would be my summary, I think, of, of the things that we can do as a regulator. Yeah, very good. And, mm. and I think what you brought up was also many of the traditional roles as we have as regulators. Yes. They are very important also to, for, to foster like future innovations and future networks. Um, just want to mention what we did in Finland in addition to the traditional roles. Well, of course, we are trying to... Uh, to give uh, radio licenses for testing for, to promote innovation. So it's very easy actually to get a, yes. a, a fixed short-term license for testing. Uh, but we have also um, established a 5G momentum ecosystem uh, for all interested parties. This has been running since 2018 and we have a huge network of, of 
different interested parties uh, to, to share experience on, on what you can do with 5G and for, for uh, the verticals to discover what they could use 5G for. But now I want to hear from, from the other panelists on the role of regulators. So Michael, let's start yeah, with you. Since you asked about regulators as facilitator, I was thinking also the, the previous session here, they, they brought up this uh, actually showstopper that regulation in Europe uh, stops or hinders innovations to some extent. So I was just thinking spontaneously that regulators in all countries then, why don't you set up a research program? So you, in parallel, follow projects that you have funded to some extent to, be, to follow it in parallel so you don't lose time in the end when this new innovation comes up and it will not be launched in Europe because of some reason, but somewhere else. But getting closer in the collaboration with the regulators in an early stage. And one way is to work shoulder to shoulder in a research program, for example. Mm. I don't know if it, if it exists, but maybe. I'm more. actually doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm personally involved in many research programs and helping out. And, and also, as um, um, I'm uh, co-chairing the Radio Spectrum Policy Group work on 6G in Europe. So we are working very closely with uh, uh, the research and to listen on the research and development projects how, to guide us on, on how we should work on, and what will be the requirements for spectrum and new types of spectrum regulation and, and access to spectrum in the future. So yes, you are absolutely right. We should work closely together and maybe we have something to improve there. As, Sorry, as wait, we you? have some, yeah. we could improve on this, I yes, think, definitely. as you um, said. As you a said. joint Nordic program, mm -hmm. you know, yes. as a start. And actually, there is many research going on that is not maybe taking regulation also so much into account. And I see that personally, that it would be better to, to, to work also, also for the researchers to understand mm -hmm. the impact of regulation in this very regulated field. Mm -hmm. So what's the view of the operators? Yeah, um, I mean, the license spectrum, uh, we all mention spectrum because it's super important. The license spectrum is a cornerstone for a mobile operator. And without that, um, it's, it's difficult to operate, right? So, but it's not just a regulator to, to auction the spectrum. It's also to maintain and then and, and, and because it's when we go uh, higher and higher in speeds and load more data into those uh, those hertzes that are, there's, there's a limited number of those. We have to operate them really, really goodly because uh, among the different operators, among the competitors also, uh, radio frequencies don't care about the country borders. Uh, just limiting that in, in a border area means that there's no coverage for the people who happen to live in the, in the, in the border area, right? So, and and, and uh, mobile communications is, is prone to, to interferences. Um, phones are getting... Uh, less and less power, and, and we understand, and I, I, I want them to be, right? Uh, but that means also that, uh, and we want to have it be power efficient, but that means that it's open to all sorts of interferences. And we, we, we want to share information with regulator and, and get their help um, solving those, uh, those issues in the areas. That's one area maybe. And the other, uh, looking at regulators more into um, wide broadly to legislative background or, or the or the area is, is, is the site infrastructure itself. I was just uh, listening to the, in the other uh, panel, the, the Open Run um, Forum, and to my surprise, they ended up talking about site acquisition. Um, but yes, as a mobile operator and, and, and as a worker in this field, site acquisition is super difficult. It's the most difficult part in this process whatsoever. Building towers into countryside, 
Um, in the cities, the rooftops, it's easy to lose a site, uh, but it's very, very difficult to get a site. And how do you build this connectivity when you don't have sites? Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking that, that yeah, it's a, it's a critical infrastructure, but, where we, but we need to build it somewhere. So you, you need a good, good legislative background for, for, for keeping those uh, important uh, mm-hmm. sites and to give this wide area coverage. Yes, very good, very good point uh, to lift up this, and we regulators and should help on this. Yeah, and then, and I, I mean, uh, in the countries, um, and I, I truly believe that local people should have the right to, to decide what happens in their neighborhood, but when it's municipality to municipality, very different angles and different approaches, and it's for an operator to give wide area coverage in, in different areas, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, everybody's unhappy when there's no, no sites and no coverage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Elina, any reflections? Uh, I, I really emphasize your, uh, your, your point about the um, uh, facilities because it's really like everyone wants connectivity. We see the bright future, what will bring uh, those new technologies, uh, but no one wants the base station <laughs> in their, their building. Or they, it should be invisible. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do need connectivity, but they are in the neighboring, the base station in the foreign neighbors. Uh, but uh, we actually here in Latvia have talked and worked a lot uh, with a local ecosystem and also uh, regulators uh, also regarding the legislation, actually what, what could be done, uh, and at least for for uh, public sector uh, buildings, um, uh, I think there, anyway, sooner or later, everyone, every country will uh, need to actually evaluate how they help the operators also to get those places. Because if we want this connectivity, in, there will be need for more and more base stations. And it is a problem, at least uh, for us as a leading operator, and we are like Latvia is a number one by mobile consumption. Um, uh, mobile internet consumption in a world right now, uh, it's really hard actually uh, to, to build the capacity if there are no places where to, to put uh, the base stations. And uh, also sometimes uh, what we saw that, uh, and that is also a regulatory issue, that uh, the new buildings are built and there are, they, they don't uh, actually take in a, into account that they're also in the building, they will need them, uh, connectivity. And then in the process of building and also uh, accepting it uh, to exploitation, there need also to be actually uh, the regulatory uh, things that um, you, you should take care also about the mobile network. Otherwise, it's a nice building just uh, with uh, no mobile connectivity there and, and you need to, to somehow afterwards find the ways how actually you, you again reconstruct everything. Yeah. And that is also for huge public uh, actually buildings as well uh, happening. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, totally, yeah, I agree with you that um, this need to be considered um, especially for Nordic and Baltic countries uh, where we are leading uh, in Europe by mobile internet consumption. That means also that we will need more and more base stations because people need uh, more and more data throughputs mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have the small cell, re- small cell regulation from yes. EU. So that's one step on the way maybe to mm-hmm. help from the regulatory uh, perspective. Well. Myself, I myself think that technology is is uh, nice, and you c- we could sh- we could show it, but maybe everybody doesn't like the <laughs> visible visible um, base stations. Okay, good points. And uh, let's turn to to research and the 
And uh, what do you think, uh, Michael, what, are, what is the role of the universities in facilitating the collaboration and especially maybe innovation? I think a very important role in, in our case, I, I cannot tell exactly how other universities are working, but to take initiatives, uh, be a driver in the region, and not only, of course it's about education and research when it's a university, but you take on a bigger role to develop the region as well. So uh, just a quick example, 10 years ago when this data center boom happened in the north for a reason, there was no regional or national data center strategy. Uh, so the university took that initiative and, and together with others made up a strategy for the region to actually go into this direction. This is a typical initiative nobody expected, but you can do it if you want to do it. Uh, just a reflection of what you said about the, the base stations. It's, it's kind of mirroring what's happening with the wind power mills. Everybody needs elect green electricity, but no one wants a, a mill on inside. So th th that is the same scenario for these mobile stations. But another good example is exactly what's happened last month also, that in Sweden it's called Summer's Master. It's, what could that be? Societal mobile base station towers. Mm -hmm. uh, the initiatives came together with people living in Archipelago, the harbor, those in the marine naval sector and the university. So there is now a tower on an island in the archipelago. There are thousands of islands in, in the north. Um, and to the, in the spring, there will be some base station there also. But these kind of initiatives you don't expect, but we can see from uh, results we have done in other projects, since we have the rural challenges, we need to provide services, not we, but others need to provide services to the inhabitants health, education, whatever. So those kind of scenarios is part of our daily work. And what my work and my colleagues is all about is to find ideas, to find a suitable calls, to find the funding, set up the team, hopefully write a nice proposal and win. And then when we win, me and my colleagues will kind of act as coordinator managers to run all this. So let the research do what they're best at research and others what they're best at. So we tr try to unburden a lot of other people with the administration, all that, and know what's happening in Brussels and work programs here and there and whatever. Seed opportunities, that is a really important role for university, I think. Mm. <clears throat> yes, so in, in a way you are trying to overcome the challenges yeah. and, and facilitate the work of the others. Mm. Mm? Mm. Very good. Yes? Uh, I, I, uh, I agree with you, and I see in the, in the uh, uh, 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz uh, initiative for you know, local 5G, uh, we have issued quite a few base station licenses already, and a good number of them are from universities and research organizations in Norway. And they, like you said, they already got test licenses before we actually launched the regulation, uh, just to basically start uh, innovation and uh, research uh, on this, mm. in this area. Yes, very important. Okay. And then uh, let's go to the role of the operators and your perspective. Uh, so what challenges have you encountered? You, you already lifted up the challenges with the 
base stations, and Michael has a solution in his region for this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very nice. That's good, good. Uh, so what, but what about the collaboration with other with industry players, for example, and the verticals? Can you, can you highlight what do you think is the operator's role, and how do you see the challenges in this? So, um, in addition to, to the previous topics that we talked about, I would um, I would emphasize the, 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 the link towards our customers, to the, mm. to the end users. Um, uh, two important areas, I think, they're uh, building trust towards them. Um, you just can't go to a factory and say that here's your 5G solution, use it. Um, mm. it, it just, just use it because it's great, right? You need to build the trust and it takes time and effort to do that. You really need to be in a good contact with, with your customer, with this actual manufacturing company, medicine company, whatever. Um, that's, that's super important that, that they will be open to this. And, and, and the second part in this day is how innovative this company is or this person is to those new uh, approaches. So, um, uh, therefore, yeah. Mm. Um, and when we have some, some good examples in this, um, um, how we've done that and, and how we've seen that an innovative client comes to you and is open to this, but the other is you have to build that uh, trust and then you, you get them open to this. Of course, in Estonia, we have an Ericsson factory in Estonia. Uh, where else do you, do you experiment? Where else do you have the, the ability to do that? So we, together with Ericsson, we, we were in a funny situation where Ericsson was the provider for us, the vendor for us, we were the operator, and then they were also a client to us. Okay. Uh, but it's a very good place where to learn uh, mm -hmm. uh, something to, to sell to the other customers or to, to give to other customers as well. So they have a private network. They do really great stuff there. Uh, been there, augmented reality, troubleshooting, uh, self-driving uh, mm -hmm. machines that take components to the, to the lines and so on. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe one area where we saw really an innovative client of ours turning to us and, and, and maybe emphasize the part uh, of that we, we need to talk to people. We, we just can't imagine what they, what they think is, is one company who is uh, doing, who's renting electrical cars. And, and what they do is it's not a um, self-driving car, it's a remotely driven car. So they have, a, in, the, in their office, they have drivers who are like playing video games, but actually driving a car in a city. I know they're in Thailand, Tartu, and I, I just recently heard that they are in Helsinki also. Mm -hmm. And everybody in, the, in, the, in this uh, self-driving or, or distance-driving um, uh, area, I think about the latency is super important that we need to be really, really low latency. And then we asked them that, really, uh, that that's, that's super important. They said, yeah, but your latency is good enough. I mean, reaction time of a person is in seconds. Video processing takes majority of the, your latency is super, but what they need is good coverage around the city and that mm. the latency is sufficient enough everywhere. Yeah. That's important. And there we come again to the new sites, right? Or the site mm. acquisition part. That we have a good coverage everywhere. Yeah, so to understand you, you can't just case. eliminate some areas. You can't drive there because we don't have sure. coverage there. Yeah? Yeah, good. So, additions from you, Elena, on, on the vertical, on collaboration with verticals. Yes, you have a lot of experience from this. Yes, uh, what we saw that it's um, from, as we want, uh, we work on R and, lots of R&D initiatives, uh, and we, we don't, 
by ourselves uh, we will not be able actually in uh, different verticals to build uh, the new solutions. We need really the academic sector and policy sector also uh, to come together and talk uh, together uh, how we can do it and, and what are the needs. So we, from uh, operator side, uh, really invest a lot uh, in ecosystems. Uh, we, we like for example those test sites we have. Uh, this is also the open spaces. We invite uh, startups. Uh, also, we work with uh, universities and, and invite also policymakers. Um, uh, to really look how in future uh, could be things done and, and, and really uh, experiment and demonstrate um, uh, the new technologies. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and in, in addition also those uh, EU projects uh, R&D we have, uh, we see also internationally uh, the ecosystem uh, challenges uh, because um, with the technologies, there are lots of features, but in industry, uh, in different kind of industries, they don't understand it so well or don't uh, see the practical use of it. So they work with ecosystem really to talk uh, with each other and understand uh, the possibilities and the needs. Uh, that is very important. And for example, uh, when we build um, uh, this initiative about uh, 5G maritime, how to actually cover, uh, for example, Baltic Sea with a 5G network, uh, that brings a really huge ecosystem. It's not only about uh, the ports uh, and the ships, uh, what are they needs. It's really not so easy actually to get to know all the things that could be actually done with uh, a mobile network because you need to think a lot about it also from industry side, what could be benefits, uh, how they can transform the, actually all the operations and, and, and get the benefits. But also also from a uh, regulation side, uh, if you see the uh, look at the Baltic Sea, it's a lot of countries all around. If you want to cover uh, with one 5G network, it's super many challenges because uh, every country has uh, uh, different regulations, uh, also different frequency use and, uh, and so on. Yes, thank you. That's a very good example on how we all should work together <laughs> to accomplish such a thing, but also to, for the users to understand how they could utilize the new technology. Maybe do new things with the new technology and not only do the old things with the new technology. Yes, okay. So we have uh, like a one, one or two minutes for if you have a question in the audience, please raise your hand or do we have a question online? Yes, I have one question to, uh, to the panel. What is still the thing you didn't mention, but we should in this discussion? Is there anything? Yeah, what, what about this? Why we shouldn't, why we were not talking about this suddenly? Because, uh, of course, um, we are following uh, our uh, name of the panel, but is there anything we missed? Yes. Uh. Short comment then. Uh, what I didn't mention is, uh, maybe joint testbeds. Uh, I've seen the struggle when we have a testbed in Luleå where we invite companies to come and test their services and products before going to market. And of course, we were happy to set up a project with our Finns, friends in our university. They had their own network in, yes. in the university owned, mm -hmm. which we don't have. And we thought it's going like this. No, it will not be that easy because of different reasons. So, Te doing tests in the Baltic area would be one way of trying to, you know, it foster collaboration, innovation, mm -hmm. and see how it could work over physical land borders also. So 
I didn't mention that, but now I do it. That's a very good, good example. So it, it means that Daidi has done a great job. So she has covered everything. But um, don't, underestimate, don't underestimate the power of the people's innovation power. I mean, together you can do it. Small countries, together. Together, yeah. Thank you. Then there's a question. Uh, if you could choose where to invest a few tens of millions of public money, what would be the single most important thing to make 5G available to everyone? Angela is asking. Okay, thanks, Angela. Who wants to take this? Maybe the operators? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, the, 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 and we talked a lot about the sparse population that we have. Uh, it's sparsely populated, but we still have the cities. There it tends to be better. So public funding to those countryside areas. There was discussion about the rural areas to the infrastructure in, in there, I'd to say. keep everybody mm. with us in this digitalization. And, and I mean, it's a mobile network. We all move there and we all want to have, it's not just the locals there, but we all want to want to use that. Uh, so are you saying that, that that would help to make them less sparsely uh, populated yeah, areas? Yeah, I'd say do, yeah. All right. Because that's the first thing you find out. Is there a coverage for the mobile data, for example? Yeah, and uh, how good quality is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, anything else to add? Yes? Uh, there, there is also something that I think no, not all have understood. When you go from 4G to 5G, you expect everything to be better, in a way. But what not all, in average at least, know is that you need an outdoor and an indoor system. So, um, yeah, there are good examples to, let's say, tell how these improvements step by step will make an improvement but you have to do something extra that you couldn't do before mm -hmm. because right. inside there is another system if you don't have that you have to go outside mm -hmm. in the freezing cold maybe not that popular yeah very good mm -hmm. exactly that's an interesting take <laughs> okay thank you anything else to add good then uh, one more thing is yes no no go on one more thing is, how can 5G ecosystem encourage the sharing of anonymous data across industries while respecting privacy concerns and enabling uh, the development of valuable insights and applications? Raja says, that's always the question. Everyone holds his or hers data and not sharing it. Mm -hmm. New perspectives? What? Well, I suppose uh, building your own private 5G network, then you have everything in-house or in your own cloud uh, could be uh, a way to do it, if I understood the question correctly. It could be the other way around. So let's mm. share the information and data, although it is tricky, so we would uh, probably have better collaboration. So how can we anonymize the data but still use it? I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have anything, Michael? Yeah, I have good examples of that. Uh, when you talk about data, you think about AI. Uh, AI is nothing without data, and uh, we have run into several good ideas, good uh, projects, and then the, the company or a small company realized, okay, but it's not my data. I have to ask you, mm. do you allow me to use it? And they yes. no, because it's, yeah, you're not sure. Well, there is no innovation because all this AI act and all this, you, you can be up with a, with a fine to pay something if you do handle it wrongly. A big company can do it, but the small ones, they cannot afford it, maybe. So you have to be careful. Data is also kind of very sensible. It could be a showstopper handled wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's holding us back in all the industries. For example, there's no one ID card you can use for all the possible institutions because they all hold data within, yeah. and we still have like 50 loyalty cards carrying around. Definitely. Mm. Sorry. Mm. 
And that's a, we have an example from Finland also. We discussed this um, um, automation of maritime. Why can't we use the ships also as sensors and share their data? We don't need to have weather stations everywhere, but they could measure and share. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be obstacles in sharing data. Yes. But, but is, is there any chance we are going to change that? It's getting like worse because of the regulations. I mean, I think uh, it needs to be also some added value uh, from sharing yeah. because uh, sometimes uh, also um, lots of uh, industries and policy makers, they are just asking to share information and data, but uh, actually in the end they don't use it or really don't, you need actually also added value from uh, what you actually will get from the sharing of data. So you like selling it? It's not only the selling it, but, uh, but it's, uh, the data by itself sometimes shows something, but uh, it's not really useful. So you need some new applications or, or really the like AI, some, some things, how actually uh, also population or society actually benefits from data oh. sharing, mm -hmm. not only just sharing by itself. It's just or, nice or, to look. Yeah. <laughs> or not your, your, only your data, but combining this to other data yes. together and some see, see bigger trends in there. Do you see the benefits why I share my data and I get yeah. something back? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Heidi, for moderation. And round of applause to the panelists.